1FM. Right now I'm joined by Professor James Hyam from the Department of Tourism here at Otago University. You are presenting an Otago Energy Research Centre seminar entitled Climate Change and Aviation Collective Action to Reduce Our Air Travel Emissions. Morena to you. Nice to be here, Jamie. Oh, it's lovely to have you in the studio this morning. Um, air travel, uh, along with shipping, are two forms of carbon emissions that we probably think about the least uh, consumers. I mean, from time to time, you hear about uh, you know people in the UK talking about our beef, um, you know, being shipped over, things like that. But it's not really brought up in the news much. Not as much as uh, uh, cars, uh, power generation. Uh, and agriculture, um, so it's kind of um, hidden in the background somewhere. Um, really, it should be at the forefront. Absolutely, it should, and uh, we're bringing it to the forefront. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, seriously, uh, Paris 2015, aviation was was the big emission, uh, along with maritime, and uh, it's it's a really pressing issue. Uh, transportation generally, and aviation in particular has a very significant environmental footprint and as we become more and more concerned about climate change and uh, raging forest fires out of control in extensive parts of the northern hemisphere after one of the most bitter winters mm. um, the uh, the beast from the east which uh, had Europe in its clench for so many weeks over the winter um, we need to become more and more conscious of, uh, of activities such, such as discretionary air travel flying around the world having a lovely time it does have a serious environmental impact yeah parts of England this week hitting 37 degrees I mean just <laughs> seeing some of the things on the news over the last few days with the forest fires in yeah. Greece and in California these heartbreaking tragedies of human loss um, and it's not going to ease it's not going to get any better mm. unless we take action and, and try and rain and climate change and some of the people in these areas um, are going to be some of the first climate change refugees in a way I know they're living in first world countries but they you know especially in California you can't live in those hills anymore surely well I tell you they, <laughs> I mean the irony is that uh, there are a few countries in the world that have driven climate change as much as American society yeah, and now right. you know I guess we've always thought that uh, that in these uh, privileged parts of the world we're reasonably immune but we're not no, no, certainly not. Certainly not at all. Uh, yes, so aviation, um, it's an interesting case. But I, I often, why? Because like, it wasn't Kyoto at all as well. Uh, I never gone to Paris. Why are we leaving it up to, you know, almost self-regulation? Um, you do have the UN. Uh, they have an agency. Uh, and, and, you know, so, so there's talk, you know, let's leave it up to this UN agency to regulate. Uh, and they're talking about offsetting the carbon uh, by planting trees. Uh, we've looked around the world at carbon trading uh, entities and it doesn't seem to work that well or they have trouble implementing them or they just use it as an excuse. Um, so can we really trust aviation to do this themselves? Well, the track record would suggest that you're right, we can't. Um, like since uh, the 1990s, for over 20, close to 30 years, we've known that aviation has had to be reined in. Um, and you mentioned Kyoto and uh, there were failures at, in Copenhagen and uh, Paris uh, made significant gains and, and really is a game changer, but uh, aviation slipped through the net again. Um, you're right, the United Nations, through the International Civil Aviation Organization, has uh, has uh, been charged with uh, coming up with a decent response to the mm. aviation emissions problem and in Montreal 
2016 post Paris, the ICAO came up with Corsia, which is the carbon <laughs> offset and reduction scheme for international aviation. But the problem with uh, with with this is that it's uh, it's really captured by industry interests, and uh, the mm. industry interest is to keep growing aviation. Um, if there is a case of anything that uh, tests the whole idea of of limits to growth, it's aviation. And yep. you're right, we cannot say to ICAO and the airline industry regulate yourself because for the last 20 or 30 years that uh, message has fallen on deaf ears. In, in, in all honesty, it is very, very complex, particularly international aviation in terms of allocation of emissions and uh, you know, national carriers and private airlines and um, you know, aircraft carrying people from lots and lots of different nationalities around the world from mm. one country to another who, uh, you know, across international borders. Um, so it's very, very complex but we do need to rein it in. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess allocation would be a complicated matter because, I mean, you look at an airline like Emirates um, from a very t small populated area, but the biggest carrier in the world, I think. Um, so, so, you know, how would you... Where, how would you give them an allocation? It's, it's been near on impossible. To yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, a fascinating to look at uh, Emirates' um, network of uh, of international and domestic Just services. Growth. Because it's not only has its growth been phenomenal, but it is so centrally located amongst the continents yeah. that you can basically fly anywhere in the world one flight from Dubai, yeah. including Auckland. Yeah. You know, eighteen or nineteen hour flight, direct Dubai to Auckland nonstop. There's nowhere in the world that you basically can't get from Dubai in, in, in one in flight, flight. In flight. It's phenomenal. But you know what? Here's an interesting stat. 94% of the global human population has never been on an aeroplane. I know. That's crazy. So we think about aviation, like in New Zealand and in many societies around the world, as quite accepted and normal and something mm. that we do without even thinking about it. Book online, super easy, super cheap, fly. But uh, these emissions are actually um, being driven by a very small proportion of the population. It's not all societies and it's not all people in all societies, but those who do fly in the last few decades have flown more and more and more. And it's them that are driving, the so-called high emitters that are driving mm -hmm. climate change through aviation. Now, uh, for uh, the aviation industry, um, jet fuel uh, is volatile in price, uh, can be quite expensive, uh, and is a huge amount of cost for airlines. Are they pushing um, engine makers and aircraft designers to come up with not necessarily just more efficient models? Because we see that with Boeing and Airbus releasing, uh, I think, um, Boeing with the 777 mm -hmm. uh, and yep. Airbus with uh, with a couple of its jets. Um, I can't remember the titles of them. Doesn't really matter. Um, you know, making them lighter, composites, making out of composites and stuff like that. But are we looking at uh, other engine technologies uh, with with planes, or are we kind of at the limit of what we can do? It's an excellent question because uh, you know the first uh, the first response from many people who love flying is to ask, uh, will technology save us? It's the classic old question, isn't mm, it? Can mm, we, uh, can yeah, we uh, get out of jail without, uh, without necessarily Soul compromising power, ourselves? <laughs> Solar flight. Um, it's a really good question. Here's the, here's the situation. Um, jet aviation has been around since, uh, commercially since the 1960s. Uh, aviation technologies are very, very refined. 
I mean, the, the energy efficiency of the jet engine has evolved over those decades, particularly through the 70s and 80s. Uh, further efficiency gains for jet aviation have become more and more fractional and more and more marginal. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the jet engine has reached its high point of evolutionary sophistication. Yeah. Um, to become more efficient in flying, we need a game-changing technology. And you're absolutely right. You know, the Boeing Dreamliner and the Airbus, uh, I think it's A340 and it's A380, the super jumbo, they are as efficient as they come, Yeah. Um, these new generation aircraft. But the Boeing 747, um, which was introduced in the 1970s, is just being retired now. Uh, so it's had a life course of 50 years, half a century. Yes. And these um, Airbus and Boeing models will be flying when I'm dead and buried. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they've probably got a 20, 30, 40, 50 year life frame, uh, life time frame. And there are no other game changing technologies on the horizon. So technology is not going to save us in time because we've got to act quickly to, uh, to prevent uh, runaway climate change. Um, and the new technologies, even if they were on the horizon, would be decade, at, at least a decade away from commercial use. Um, so technology, I'm sorry to say, is not going to save us. And meanwhile, the aeromobilities of people, the amount of flying that people are doing um, is going through the roof. Yep. I'm not kidding. Like where most industries uh, are trying to mitigate and trying to reduce their emissions, aviation is forecast to continue to double every 20 years. Um, so 2030, 2050 um, aviation forecasts through, through Boeing and Airbus um, uh, for continued very high growth. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a real predicament. Okay, because we I mean we live in an age of consumerism, uh, and we have gone from uh, our local cordless dairy um, to Amazon, uh, Alibaba, uh, and companies like that. We get you know, you know one would have hoped the GTS the GST kick in would have would have helped a little bit. But I don't think it slowed anything down. But we want everything yesterday as well, so we're not prepared to wait for for two weeks for a, a boat but then we talked about that as well and that's not regulated anyway that's not it's <laughs> not helping so true um <clears throat> so you know one thing i guess um the government uh, should look at we used to have a big buy new zealand made campaign in the in the 90s and the 80s i remember it, it was great the ad was kind of terrible but <laughs> it was all right but it's really important we can start just by doing things like buying local right yeah so um so there, I think there are three avenues for us to, to uh, advance, uh, three ways of thinking about this. We've talked a little bit about industry and technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a little bit about government and uh, global, global agreements and, uh, and government uh, policy action. Um, and you're right, the third, third avenue is individual choice and yeah. individual action. Now, I'm not saying for a minute that uh, the individual consumer needs to be guilty and responsible for, for global aviation emissions, but maybe we do need to think about the way we consume. Um, and you're right, talking about um, Amazon and, uh, and consumerism, uh, the, the, the fact with aviation is that in some societies, aviation has become absolutely mainstreamed in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, here's a true story. I've got, I've got uh, a friend in England who would, has told me in the past that if he gets to Thursday and hasn't got any plans for the week weekend in place, he'll just book a flight to go anywhere. Yeah, It's so cheap. It doesn't matter where it is. doesn't even know which country the place is in. It <laughs> just goes away. Um, he's told me that drinking beer in Prague for the weekend is ch- cheaper than staying at home and drinking beer in London. 
so it's it's the, our consumption of air travel has reached quite in some cases quite unacceptable that's proportions. That's just like go, oh, you're just talking about like it's just like going down the road exactly. for a pint. Exactly. So air travel, air travel um, and the low-cost carriers have made it so super convenient. We can now think of air travel as uh, as convenient as getting on a bus or mm. getting on uh, into uh, on, onto your bike and going for a ride. You get on a plane and you go somewhere. Are we near critical mass in terms of air traffic? <laughs> Well, that's an interesting question. I read a report uh, in The Guardian uh, a week ago. Um, there's a, a, a company in Sweden that tracks all flights worldwide every 24 hours. And it reported that on the 29th of June, they recorded over 200,000 oh, yes. flights that's globally right. within 24 hours. Um, I think it was 202,000. First time they'd ever tracked over 200,000 flights in 24 hours so you'd think you know running out of space up there for airplanes there are huge numbers of airplanes yeah but it's this still forecast to double over the next 20 yeah. years well i mean and i guess it's going to double because you're getting other cities in china and india and the likes that will have bigger movements uh, as the middle class uh grows same with brazil i mean you might have met mass in areas like uh atlanta georgia which is airport i think is the busiest in the world you've got heathrow you've got dubai obviously but there's new places coming on isn't there exactly and this makes it <clears throat> dare I say it, all the more complex because we've had this privilege and this uh, luxury of air travel in our societies for quite a few decades now um, and we've come to realise that it's a problem um, within the climate change context but there are other emerging societies that are uh, finding this new appetite for air travel yeah. and you've mentioned quite a few of them um, and when you when you hear about uh, the levels of aeromobility in, in those societies, you realise just how significant the, the challenge is. A lot of the growth in aviation is in new markets, mm -hmm. um, and it's very difficult. It's quite problematic to sit in a society like New Zealand or in, in many of the European countries where we've had a love affair with air travel for 40 or 50 years now to say, uh-oh, you guys you are going to have to rein yourselves in without at least uh, acknowledging the historical yeah. context and taking a bit of a, a leading action ourselves. That's the same uh, argument for a lot of carbon emission um, from developing nations in Paris and in Kyoto. They were saying, look, you've done it for so long, this is your issue, uh, but you know, now it's our turn, why can't we, if you did it beforehand? Absolutely, and you know, one of the things that's uh, occupying my mind now is uh, air travel amongst academics because academics mm. are, are definitely in that group of high emitters um, and you know I've got to be honest and say that over my 22 year academic career here at Otago I have benefited massively from being able to travel internationally, attend conferences, go to meetings, collaborate with people internationally, network and, and you know build those, those networks that have been so beneficial for my career but now what are we going to do you know I've got junior colleagues who really need to benefit in the same way that I did yeah um, and we will have future colleagues who aren't yet working here who will also need to um, have those opportunities to advance their academic careers so it's a similar situation to the different countries and mm -hmm. their and their uh, um, uptake of, of air travel behaviors you know we can think about generations and families or, or, or people in their careers um, who have benefited from air travel what are we going to do about that they're difficult questions but we have to confront these questions mm. we've got holograms. to come up with that uh, uh. <laughs> <Holograms. laughs> holograms is That's the way the future
we're well, all just going to be hologrammed into meetings and uh, conferences around the world. Well, I'd have to say <laughs> that the uptake of Zoom uh, at Otago um, over the last three or four years has been amazing. Now, I'm not sure that Zoom and Skype and, and other um, communication technologies like this are necessary uh, replacing air travel they might actually be giving more reason for air travel mm. but it is interesting to see the uptake of zoom and people I think uh, are now th um, conscious about alternatives to flying to uh, to do business yeah. uh, which is quite an exciting prospect to be honest Go, um, well, well I guess we're gonna have to leave it there because we're running out of time uh, but uh, you know we're in an interesting position in, in New Zealand in Aotearoa uh, we you know we rely on eggs and one basket type uh, economy with with uh, cows which uh, which emit a lot um, and then when you think about it we're an island in the middle of nowhere everything has to get here on a plane or in a boat um, so we must be in terms of per capita up there in terms of emissions. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, and apart from the things you've mentioned, we are heavily reliant on our tourism industry. Yes, and people it's who ninety-seven uh, uh, or ninety-eight percent of all of our visitors arrive by aeroplane, and those that don't generally arrive by cruise ship, which have an even higher footprint. Yes, than the aeroplane. Yes, so the tourism industry has some issues to deal with itself, and and to be honest, there are some leaders like Air New Zealand is uh, is not shying away from this issue. Um, Air New Zealand is a world leader in terms of its response to climate change, um, but as, a, as an, an industry, tourism is going to need to um, move on to a, a sustainable emissions path by hook or by crook, yeah. and it's an amazing challenge. Yeah, I often thought, you know, maybe we could just go higher into thinner atmosphere, but you've got to get there. Yeah. You've got to get to that height, right? Yeah, you've got to exactly. get that lift. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, um, right, so the talk is today. It's over at the seminar room at the Centre of Sustainability, 563 Castle Street, 4 o'clock till 5 o'clock, open to the public. So I guess you're going to be touching on a few of the things we've talked about today and a few other things um, as well. Indeed, yeah. I look forward to seeing you there, Jamie. Yeah, yeah I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Thank you so much.